Hello and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual gather together each week to discuss a movie in the cinematic canon. Today's film is not in that canon. We are reviewing 2022 films in preparation for the Oscar conversation. Today's movie is Everything Everywhere All at Once, directed by Daniel Kahn and Daniel Schnert, or I can't say it, Juzo. How do you Quan say it? Kwan and Scheinert, I think is how you Scheinert. Yeah. Scheinert. Uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. I don't usually host the show, but as you've just heard, I'm joined, of course, with Juzo Greenwood as Cameron is out. Juzo, how are you doing? I'm doing well, uh, Isaac. It was great. I, I actually saw Isaac for the first time in person in a long time for a little birthday get together. And um, yeah, I've been doing good. How about yourself? Yeah. That was that was good. That was really good. I'm glad that you were able to come out. And uh, Juzo lives about what is about an hour away, or is it longer for travel? It's it's about a little a little more than that, I guess. Hour Bart ride, and then a little bit more. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was good to see you in person because I know I don't usually I go up um, to East Bayside for work a lot, and I know we've met up a few times just for that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're really out there for for like, I guess on we're on opposite ends, you know. Yeah. At this, at, just regarding the Bay Area, so um, no, it was it was good to finally see you in person, catch up for a little bit. Um, yeah, and I appreciate you coming out for the birthday and stuff. I know we uh, we we've talked a little bit here and there, but I've I've been thinking about you a little bit, and that's why I invited you because we haven't been talking too much, and I was like, oh man, like. I, my life's been so busy. It's been uh, you. You were just mentioning the last episode you were on was probably Triangle of Sadness when we were hosting together. Which I think right? was was that the fir- last one before your wedding? That was. I think it was the one after I was gone for a little bit, and then Cameron needed a break because he was out doing things. Yeah. it was just before the holidays yeah. and all that stuff happening. So. Um, yeah, no, that was that was an interesting movie to discuss. One of the few that I've seen from 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it it's going to be interesting reviewing uh, a bunch that came out this year that I didn't get around to ever seeing. Um, That's an which, interesting uh, topic, actually, which is that like for for you, I mean, you're the quote unquote casual in this you know program, and like wh- how many movies do you think you've seen like in theaters in 2022? Because I know you didn't even see. Um, you know, some of the you, you didn't see Avatar, right? Or Maverick? No, no, I didn't see Maverick or Avatar. My dad is so mad at me that I didn't see Maverick. He, he, he got, should like, be. That was an awesome movie. <laughs> he, he got really upset at the table the other day because um, <laughs> I think most of my my <laughs> my love for movies stems from him, uh-huh. and uh, most of the time he'll say that he hates like 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 he's very picky with his films, but then yeah. It'll just c- suddenly come out that he's into this strange movie that you've never heard. Well, that of, movie right? is this just a movie everyone likes. It that movie for whatever reason, oh, yeah, every yeah. demographic, every age, gender, race. It, to me, it's like every person likes that movie. So you might be the last person on earth really who hasn't seen it, Isaac. And it'll be no. I'm um, sure it's good. I am sure it's it. good. I have no. I have no doubt that it's going to be an awesome film to witness. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the list that comes to mind. I know that on Christmas time I saw that violent Santa Claus movie. That is like probably <laughs> one of five violent movies Night. that I saw in theaters. Yeah, Violent Night. Did you see that, Julie? I actually didn't. No. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, kind of pretty goofy, pretty uh, you know. I would say like not something you have to rush out and see, but I I thought it was fun. Uh-huh. I enjoyed my time with it. Um, 
Nope, which I really enjoyed. Oh, we did yeah. an episode about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, probably my favorite movie this year. Yeah. And then we, uh, and then I did Triangle of Sadness. Only reason I saw that is because of Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I was kind of pleasantly surprised with um, the movie. I don't think it's like the best thing. I don't think it's something I'd recommend for a lot of people, but I remember the theater experience being kind of um, worth sitting. I don't mm-hmm. think it would have been fun to watch at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly. no, it was, it's a fun movie um, to see with people. Yeah. Yeah. So other than that, you know, I, I I haven't seen much, but I've heard a lot about the movie we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, Juzo, what movies have you been watching just in your spare time? Because you are you are the movie guy. You know, you're the guy that actually watch it. Like like you got a loaded mag when you come onto this show. You know, I, you're like yeah, I'm I, I'm ready to go. So I have to be kind of selective because if I went through everything, it would and, and especially January always ends up being a time where I see a lot because I'm not only is there a ton of stuff in theaters like overlap from 2023 but there's also um you know i'm catching up on all the movies i'm trying to catch up on stuff for my top 10 top 25 list and um and i just have movies i watch for class and all sorts i mean i've been watching the magic mike movies because there's a new magic mike coming out and and that's the first magic mike i would highly recommend the second one uh i did not like at all though weirdly it's very popular with some people um for mixed class, a notable movie I rewatched was It's a Wonderful Life. You've seen that, right, Isaac? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's, that's so good. I mean, and actually, it's, it kind of might be an interesting point of comparison for um, Everything Everywhere, because I think those movies actually end up in very different ways, um, touching on some similar uh, overlapping themes. Um, and then another just notable movie um, I really, really liked, and actually it's the first uh, 2023 release I saw was the new M Night Shyamalan movie, A Knock at the Cabin. Very tightly contained thriller, but like a lot of M Night stuff, it's it's a, a lot more emotional, a lot more uh, character driven, and um, it's not it's not a it's not like a pure thriller. It's not a, it's it reminds you of like something like Panic Room, but it's he has a lot of other things on his mind in particular quite interestingly um an examination of belief and of faith which is kind of unusual for a a mainstream hollywood movie i would say um and i just thought it was a beautifully crafted movie and his ability to stage um action and characters and and um you know and he's he's just his 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 framing with the camera is just astonishing um and i just think he's you know, I think he we can officially call it that he's past the point of there is that sort of dip last airbender where everyone was like M. Night Shyamalan is he's he's the worst director ever. It's like, no, no, no. He's he's back to where he was in the early 2000s as as kind of, um, you know, I think it was silly to call him the next Spielberg. But as someone who um, is every movie he makes is I'm really interested to see. So would highly recommend that. It's worth seeing in the theater too because it's um all his movies still do well, which is kind of amazing. Um but that that's that's just a little uh snippet of what I saw. I saw a movie called State in Maine for the film club actually uh yesterday which was was quite enjoyable, kind of a Hollywood satire. Um yeah, I mean that that's just a few of them. Well, I have not been watching anything modern whatsoever, but just to kind of piggyback off our last conversation and I guess I'll touch on the M. Night Shyamalan thing, too. I did see two other movies in 2022. And mm-hmm. I just want to lay out this context because we're going to be talking about um, 
this episode's movie. I, I was like trying to debate if I wanted to say everything everywhere all at once uh-huh. <laughs> really quickly. <laughs> and now I don't know. I'm just stumbling all over. Uh-huh. But I saw the glass onion, which is kind of, eh, I don't know if I quite consider that like, like it is a movie release, but it's just strange. I didn't think of it well, because I saw it on streaming. Oh, you didn't you know? see it in the theater. Okay. Yeah. No. I only played and for like then, a um, week. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw Don't Worry Darling, but that was also a streaming movie. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> I did see yeah. that in theaters also. Oh, both, both, both of those felt like streaming movies and they were fine. I thought, I, I thought, so maybe that's why they kind of slipped my memory with the, with the other ones I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to go to, sorry to jump around, but to go back to M. Night Shyamalan, I've never had, um, a negative sentiment towards him and his movies. Mm-hmm. I actually think the movie that I didn't like but it was because I was younger, was Unbreakable, mm. which I really would like to revisit. Yeah, I, especially in go ahead. In, in context with um, uh, some of the other like tie-in movies that he did with that. And I never got the chance to watch the um, Split movie, but I was very intrigued mm, to watch it really just because I, yeah. I I think um, the performances look great. I remember seeing the trailers and being like, I gotta I gotta see that. And then when somebody spoiled the ending twist for me, I was like, that is just so... It's like a creator just having so much fun with the stuff he's already made, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, It kind of reminds me of um, a famous game creator named Kojima who does like Mm -hmm. kind of these like, you know, breaking of the fourth wall experiences with the media that he creates, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think Emma Shyamalan has some of that like... He's got that energy that just like, it sticks with you. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, he's a true kind of independent artist now because he he finances his own movies. He's kind of wrested creative control away from uh, studios, and he's um, I don't know. Even when the movies aren't good, they're always interesting. I mean, like Lady in the Water is in some ways terrible, but it's fascinating, and it's fascinating as a sort of um, his movie, almost like self reflective movie about storytelling. And and unbreakable, yeah. I, I I would be I would like put money on the fact that you would like it if you, you revisit it because I think I also saw it when I was a kid and I didn't get it like it didn't really mean anything to me. But when I saw it again, I'm like, this is amazing. And I think it might be Bruce Willis's greatest performance. He has a moment at the end of that movie with his son that is like one of the great moments I've ever seen of him on screen. And um, yeah, that's it's it's a wonderful movie, and and Split is also really good. Glass is I'm mixed about, but also I don't know. There's a lot to admire in it as well. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. I'm you know you, I think when I'm talking about people who have a negative perception of Shyamalan, it's more. I think it's kind of like Nicolas Cage. I think there's a certain kind of view in the mainstream that gets kind of calcified, of like this person is a joke because they've made some bad movies, but it's like. In both cases, they've never gone away. Their talent has never gone away. It's just they've, you know, like any career, you have some dips in quality and you you have a few misses. But um, I think at this point, we know they're both great. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I don't, I don't think negative things when I um, consider his movies, mm-hmm. and I still think about Signs often. Not Signs. I'm sorry. Uh, what's the other one? Um, the Village. Oh my goodness! The village, Love yeah. the village. Yeah. yeah, I mean, science is. I think science is my favorite, but the village has some amazing moments in it. 
I have never seen Signs. And my dad, that's also another movie my dad gets furious at me oh. for not seeing yet. Oh my God. Yeah, I love <laughs> so, Signs. Yeah, yeah he, he, uh, <laughs> he's a huge fan of that movie. Um, that'd be a good but, discussion movie, actually. I think we, we could have a good podcast about that sometime. I will say his new, the new cabin one did kind of pique my interest just because it's calling back to some of the visuals remind you of, uh, the village, I think Mm -hmm. just in the trailer. And I also think that Dave Bautista in it, his character's presence, like they, they show him standing next to the other four with like, you know, their weapons outside on the poster. There's something about each character that has, um, a lot of like, I don't know. They just have presence, mm-hmm. like even in the poster. So I'm I, I'm excited to see it. He's incredible. I do want to. Yeah, I do want to give it a chance. Um, some of his line delivery reminds me of, uh, like at least in the in the ads that I've seen, it reminds me of like that interaction in 2042. Uh, Blade Runner first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that like he's so. I, I rewatched the beginning of that movie recently, and I was like, he's like great. In this mm-hmm, movie, mm-hmm. like just for the small bit that he's in, he's like really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I, I do want to get around to seeing it. I don't know if I'll have time to see it in theaters, but I do want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is of course Cinema Spectator. We don't just talk about the movies we watch this week, we review one, we get accuracy on it, and we break it down for you. I am a little bit of the casual at this point. I've been educated. You can see all the episodes <laughs> that we've w- watched a few things on, but Juzo is going to be our resident expert this episode. Also, you know, on 2022, we can kind of open up the conversation about how the year's been as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you enjoy the show, you can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS productions, throw a couple dollars our way, get some benefits over there. And if you don't have dollars, it's all good. We just appreciate you being here, giving us a rating, sharing the show, all that stuff helps it grow. And uh, we can't thank you for your time enough. We appreciate you listening. We're a small production, but we enjoy doing this, and we hope you enjoy it too. So, Juzo, let's get into everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, I feel like this is probably one of the major pictures that's like going to win a bunch of awards mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. this year. I, I just remember hearing a ton about it mm-hmm. and being a little confused because the poster is like... Um, it's got like a bit of a like a kung fu feel on on the on the cover. I'm like, that's sort of strange because I see A24. I think of something creepy, and suddenly all the characters are doing like ninja poses and stuff. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm not quite sure what to expect. And I think this movie brings the wacky. But give us a little context about the director or or the directors or I I guess what what was the lead up with this movie? Why do you think it was so successful and has a name this year? Well, it's it's a really kind of amazing story how this movie has uh, progressed through the year because it came out I believe in April. Um I I think I I think I saw it in April when it came out and um became this huge success for a, for an independent movie at, you know, a smaller studio A24. Um it became this really big Movie and these directors, um, they were music video directors up until then. I don't know if you remember there is a music video for the song Turn Down for What, like in 2014, mm-hmm. where there's a guy, it's actually one of the directors, uh, crashing through the different floors of this building. Um, and that's one of their more famous ones. And then they did a movie also called Swiss Army Man, which is another very, um, 
a movie with odd sense of humor and kind of weird uh, qualities, but also kind of a, a sentimentality to it. Um, and also it's a little bit of a musical, uh, interesting movie uh, about uh, that was in 2016. And I think Scheinert has directed another movie called The Death of Dick Long uh, since then, but this is their first movie together since Swiss Army Man. And I don't know, it just had... I think the success is just a combination of um, great marketing. Like I had a great trailer, um, great word of mouth. Like people just seem to really like it. I mean, it is a truly kind of a, um, it's not, it's not an IP based movie. It's not a movie that's bringing people in on the basis of any, you know, these are not even people like Michelle Yeoh, but she's not a massive movie star who, you know, sells out. Um, I mean, there are, there are almost no movie stars other than Tom Cruise who, bring people to the movies these days um so it's kind of just um and also i think coming out in april was smart because it's kind of a dead period it's like after the oscars there's kind of not a lot going on so it can kind of um be the big thing in theaters at the time and then has gone on to becoming i think if you by the aggregates um uh, the most acclaimed movie of the year um, you know, appearing on most top 10 lists. And I think it got the most Oscar nominations. And I think it has, um, it definitely will win some Oscars. And I think there's a good chance it will win uh, Best Picture. And um, so that's, you know, that's just some background on it. Um, but I don't know. I'm curious what you didn't see in the theaters. Is this your first time seeing it here? Yeah, yeah. So I, I watched it a couple days ago. I've been trying to sit and process like my feelings on it. Because I, I'm a little bit mixed in a lot of regards. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of stylistic decisions that I think it, it's it's cool that you brought up the music video thing. There's just something extremely modern about the way that the um, visual comedy and uh, exciting action is like directed and choreographed and like it really draws you in when it when it starts to go, mm -hmm. right? I felt like all of those elements are the things that I've been really craving is something new, something fresh, um, something like kind of in your face and creative. And, and there's literally what I was talking about last episode being like, where's the new stuff that's not attached to an IP that's just mm -hmm. kind of awesome on its own. Um, but even with all the flashiness, it didn't make me um and maybe this is just being an adult, but I'm not I'm not quite sure. Like some movies have this like new IP adventure feel that like makes your imagination just begin to like kind of tumble and get excited. Because the one movie I was really thinking about with this one was The Matrix. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a huge inspiration um from from those movies in this one mm, definitely uh, a ton of the decisions were like hitting these beats that i'm i usually get excited about you know the setting being in this um or at least kind of towards the the middle section of the movie being really locked into well I, actually i guess it is the first part uh the the that um irs building mm -hmm. and then like kind of the eerie like government vibe with like supernatural elements popping out it's like oh man i'm all about that that's pretty cool mm -hmm. or like sci-fi elements coming out um kind of like the dream within a dream inception pieces coming together um sort of like the trippy elements um like there there are some bits from like 
the spider verse that come forward in this mm-hmm. in a in a in a creative way. And so it's like hitting all these notes is pulling from things I like, but there's nothing about the world that makes me like feel like feel like I want to explore it more, see it more and I don't need a franchise but like there's even though there's like mystery the mystery in the film is either explained or just confusing. You know what I mean? Like the logic around mm-hmm. the the film. And it's kind of smug with both of those things. Like they're like, hey, we're going to explain it to you. Well, it doesn't make sense. So yeah, this is cool. You know, like, and I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. You know, um, I, I was a little bit mixed on some of the aspects of tone, but I continued to want to like give it the benefit of the doubt. And then there's a pretty hard switch um, halfway through where it begins to start to like lean into wanting to say something. And that's where I began to disconnect with the film more um, because I was actually kind of just having fun at first Mm -hmm. and then it wanted to do something else. And it's not to say that the last um, half is bad, because I I do think that there are some pieces of the ending that have something nice to say. Um, But it kind of goes on for a long time. (laughs) Uh, And Mm -hmm. and it gets to this finale that I felt was really, really dragging. Mm -hmm. um, Because I was either hungry for more of the adventure and the fun and the conflict. The movie kind of pulls the plug on that stuff. And they're like, we're going to talk about a lot of feelings and we're going to try to say like, what's the meaning of all this sort of thing. I kind of felt that it was a bit like, I don't know. Like it wasn't like anything it said was something that I like disagreed with. I just felt kind of like, like I wanted it to be over a lot sooner, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. And, and I, it, it made me feel like they gave me such a fun experience that then was gone. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 I think structurally it did sort of remind me how like some of these a 24 movies, like, like to like break into these parts. Cause they think it's like, I know reminiscent of like classic cinema with an uh, interlude or something. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when when you see Triangle of Sadness, like it's like three parts, and each part kind of has a very different feel, mm-hmm. you know. Like they're like boom, boom, boom. And it's like oh, three short films kind of pieced together or something. Um, and yeah, this this movie is like two parts that I really liked the first part, and I was missing the first part in the second part, you know. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was just the casual brain in me being like, ah, like I kind of just wanted more fun because you guys were having a lot of fun and mm-hmm. now it's not as fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, instead, you're like, let's talk about the meaning of life and all this. I'm like, oh. You know, there <laughs> was just a the scene. meaning of life. Yeah, there was just a scene where they were fighting <laughs> in the most ridiculous manner. Like, you really want to make this switch now, you know, uh-huh. when they're pulling out, you know, phallic weapons out of nowhere uh-huh. and you're just kind of like, ah, I don't know, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I kind of wish we were just having fun, yeah. right? Um, so I'm still kind of mixed. I I do want to say I walked away from the film not like hating it by any means. I, th- I, I think there's a lot to love there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I hope I've made kind of the points of like frustration that I have with the movie or like, like I feel like I kind of want to like put this movie at an arm's length in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like it's not one that I'd be like, Oh, you got to go out and see this movie over some, like even over some of the movies I've seen, which I haven't seen many this year. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's a part of me that's like, Oh, if you haven't seen Nope, like see that, you know, mm-hmm. see that first. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a movie that's like, um, Maybe it's just more up my alley, but I think it delivers on a lot of things that, um, either, whether it's just excitement, whether you're digging into a lot of the meaning of it, um, this movie doesn't feel as deep for some reason mm-hmm. to me. Which is and, interesting because um, it's it's definitely consciously, um, explicitly going deeper than Nope seems to be. But Nope is, I think, a lot deeper than people gave it credit for. It's interesting to ha- how these movies have had different reactions because i i look i would agree with you like i would recommend nope over almost any movie this year um but the reaction to it was a lot more mixed and had a lot more kind of um there are a lot of people who were not super crazy about it and everything everywhere seems to be uh quite widely and, and very passionately loved by people um this is the third time i've seen it um and i think Really, each time I've seen it, I've had a, almost this exact same reaction, which is, uh, how do I put this? I almost, when I watch it, I start to question if I even like movies at all or if I can even ever enjoy a movie again in the rest of my life. Mm. Because wow. when I watch it, I'm so admiring of the invention of the movie and the the, um, the heart that the movie has and the just the craftsmanship of the the uh, design of the different worlds and the um, the way they film action and um, and there's some very very moving aspects to it. The, the performances in the movie are fantastic. And then, but yet, I'm watching all of this and saying I should love this, but I don't. And I really I don't mm. even really like it. You know, like I'm pretty. <sighs> there are parts I think work for me, but ultimately. I I just find it to be kind of um like exhausting to watch. But it seems like it might be my mixed feeling might be kind of different than yours because you sound like you enjoy the the action. You wanted it to be more of an action movie. For me, I find the the character drama to be the most the thing I like in the movie. Like for me the first 20 minutes of the movie where you just see this life of a kind of um frazzled middle-aged woman um, dealing with her husband and her daughter and her father and her taxes and all this sort of thing going on. And uh, the way these the Daniels um, realize that life and the way her house looks and the rhythm of everything is just, it's so, first of all, just very, very accurate uh, to that kind of person's life, I think. Uh, you know, I'm just going based on conjecture here, but I think I can say with some uh, certainty and also, I mean, maybe even relating to myself in some ways, but also, um, it's just it's just really compelling to watch. Like it's it's kind of suspenseful almost. And I remember the feeling when I first saw the movie of when it turns into the action movie when when Kihui Kwan, the husband, um, sort of kind of turns into this Jackie Chan esque character and you know beats down the security guards. It's really thrilling, and it's because it and they film it so well. Um, but they then it's like they kind of they keep doing that they keep doing it and I just end up it ends up kind of 
uh, flatlining for me and, and it gets a lot less interesting and it kind of, I don't know. It's such a unique movie. It's hard to draw a comparison of like what would work better or whatever, you know, cause I don't, it, it would be a little bit ridiculous to say, Oh, they should have just got rid of the whole multiverse thing and just made a drama about a mother and her relationship with her daughter. But I just felt like when I watched this movie and when I was watching it today, um, I'm every time it, it touches on some aspect of the human connection and the relationships, I'm really uh, with it. And again, it's, you know, Michelle Yeoh is wonderful. The uh, Kiwi Kwan who plays a husband is like giving one of the great performances I've seen in the last uh, year. He's just amazing. Um, but then when it goes back to like, we're going to, you know, be fighting security guards with dildos or we're going to, um, you know, be, you know, uh, eating chapstick or, ju- you know, jumping around and doing all this sort of thing. Uh, I don't know. It's just not that, but then I'm, but this is why I start questioning if I'll ever love cinema again, because I'm like, but I, I can watch other action movies that don't have any of this humanity or any of this kind of character stuff that I really enjoy, you know, whether it's Mad Max Fury Road or Mission Impossible Fallout or what have you. Um, but I don't know, maybe it's just something about having the two of those things colliding that they don't always gel together for me. And I feel like I'm getting whisked out of a drama into something less interesting. Um, that's, it's sort of the, it's, it's, it's the kind of um, issue a lot of ensemble movies have. And also a lot of movies where you flash back, you know, into a different time period where it's, you end up, those movies are very hard to make because if you don't, um, if you make an ensemble movie and some of the ensemble is less interesting than the rest, every time you go to that less interesting thing, your interest deflates. So everything has to be tight and really, really compelling on an equal level. And for me, this movie is unequal in how much I'm interested in certain things in, you know, mm. them hiding out and, you know, her flipping around the sign, all this stuff. And it's also like, um, there are a lot of th- so many things where it's like in moderation, things are cool. Like that, that scene in ice, if you just showed it to me where Michelle Yeoh come, is spinning the, the guy's shield and knocking out a bunch of security guards is, is pretty fun. But, um, I don't know, like anything, even, even if I was taking mission impossible fallout, you know, like I love that the scene where Tom Cruise fights the guy in the bathroom. But if that scene continued for an hour, I would cease to be liking it. You know, I would find it, it would, Mm -hmm. it would start to become boring. And I think the movie has a little bit of that issue for me, but again, you know, I don't know, this is a very subjective thing because I, there's a lot of people and including a lot of people I, I, whose opinions I greatly respect who have thought this movie was absolutely wonderful. Um, So, you know, it's one of these things where, I don't know. There's been certain movies where I've been like in the staunch minority, like, no, 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 2001 is, is no good. And I saw 2001 recently. I actually kind of liked it. Um, so you never know if, you know, something changes in your perspective or um, I don't know. Well, I do think that this film has a uh, pace that is like kind of, ADHD is the best way I can put it. Sure. I found there were moments of this movie where I felt a bit annoyed by some of the things that were like getting in the way of what I wanted to see or what I wanted to get involved with. And I love that you pointed out the beginning kind of family drama setup because I actually enjoyed a lot of what was going on there. And I didn't think that part was boring. Mm-hmm. And I thought the setup to the IRS building was great. And I think if my 
like if I could have taken this story in a direction that I think it could have hit home at, it would have been more of that. And and I think it does get into a lot of it, but like leaning into what makes um like the main protagonist like in this state of like constant chaos, not really being there and aware of what's going on in her life and her family. Mm -hmm. Like she's like separated by that. Mm -hmm. I thought we were going to get more of that, like kind of internal, um, like realization. I recently, well, I mean, it is there, but it's the way we get there feels very like sporadic. And, and I felt like the ending, lines of this movie i was pretty much tapped at like i was pretty much like i just don't really care how this ends that much but by the end of it i instead i was thinking well you know i think i know who to hire if i want to make a movie next year you know Mm -hmm. i know it's like a weird thing to say but it's like obviously everyone that worked on this film the people that put this stuff together all of the actors and actresses like they just wow like it, it is like an unbelievable like feat and there's so much energy and passion put into this um but that doesn't make me necessarily feel the ending right i didn't feel mm-hmm. the ending like hit a home run mm-hmm. and um i recently played uh a video game that i've talked about a little bit called um god of war ragnarok and the game has a pacing that's much more linear. Uh, it obviously is following a story that isn't as chaotic or zany. Um, but the thing that I noticed is it was working with a parent relationship and there were issues presented in the story that showed like some pretty clear flaws in the protagonist. Mm-hmm. And the kid was sort of that backboard relationship. And you watch this father figure make mistakes after mistakes, but in a way that's like also in love where he's like trying to help his son be better. It's like that tough love dad character. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a decision at the end of the game that he makes in the story where it's like, for the first time, I'm going to decide to change the ways that got us into the mess in the first place. You know, there's like a, there's a genuine switch where it's like, like the whole audience, you kind of like exhale. Cause you're like, wow, like he had that realization, you know, mm-hmm. everyone around him was aware, mm-hmm. right? It was like, the whole cast and even himself are sort of like diagnosing like what's wrong with this character, right? Mm-hmm. Through the journey. And towards the end, like he makes a change, right? Maybe it's spoon fed, right? Maybe it's stupid because it's a video game story. I don't know. But there was something about this movie where I was like, what's the change or what's the like what's the big like decision switch? And I think it was like I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I know that there was obviously resolution between her and her daughter. She made a decision to be like, I want you around or something. Well, it's, it's I, also I was internal, like, you know, it's like a little bit, this is why I compared to it's a wonderful life because it's sort of, um, both movies are kind of getting at the, the idea of not, um, that kind of that you can't change anything. And it's like the, their situations that they're in are still the same by the end of the film. But, 
it's their perspective on it and their appreciation for the people around them that changes and how a lot of the way you feel about your life comes as much from your, uh, your perspective on it and how you appreciate things, um, maybe even more so than your actual physical circumstances. Um, so it's, I, I mean, but I mean, I, yeah, I mean, there is a, so there's, it's, it's, it's an internal character arc. It's, it's, uh, as much as her, um, cause I don't know if she like didn't accept her daughter, but it was more like appreciating her, I guess. I don't know how, to, how I could exactly explain it. and certainly appreciating her husband, um, because she that that yeah. that was the arc that I think hit me the hardest when he turns and says like I would have rather like just done laundry with you yeah for like that was the line That's where great. I was like wow yeah. that was like the best line in the movie for me because mm-hmm. I was like it just it hit hard right yeah um yeah I uh I there's again like it's strange. I feel like there's a lot about this movie that I love. It just didn't it didn't click with me and that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't click with me like maybe yet. Maybe I need to watch it again, but I'm pretty surprised that um I'm I'm surprised that you have the take that you do have, Juzo, cuz I was like I can't wait. Well, I was kind of interested to see like like maybe there is a side of it that it's like I missed something or I I just I don't know wasn't smart enough to see it for its excellence or something uh, in this conversation. So I, I don't know. I mean I don't know if it's even a matter of smartness or whatever. not that I would lay claim on that in any way. Anyway, but <laughs> but but I think the movie also is it's they're kind of and this may be a part of maybe why I'm not as crazy about it. It's very overt about explaining itself, explaining its themes um, to you. And it's um, like, I think you probably got it in the same way that I do. I under, like, to me, I watch this movie and I understand it. And I even, some of the things that I'm having quibbles with could even be um, aspects of the movie that you could describe as assets, like the the quality of being kind of exhausted by it and overwhelmed by it. Um, That... Um, I'm sure is was an intention of the filmmakers, and you could even make the case that that overwhelming quality is is the Daniels putting you into the um, putting you into the shoes of Evelyn's character, of feeling sort of overwhelmed by life and building everything to this kind of cacophony until you hit the um, the silence of the rock scene. Um, and I don't know. I mean, there's it's. It, <sighs> It's it is it's effective in some ways. It's also very spelled out and very kind of um, I don't know. I'm like almost it reminds me a little bit of like like uh, when you read a book as a child and at the end it would it would tell you the moral of the story is like to do this and in this case like to be kind and to appreciate your life and you appreciate the people around you and change your sort of perspective. Um, but on the other hand, I don't know. I mean, there's there's something quite touching about some of those moments and and i really think i don't know i re- I, I like the the moment where um that you're talking about with with um waymond with, with the husband is great and i also you know there's this moment where she kind of um he, it, it's kind of the moment where she's about to kind of give herself over to the darkness right she's about to enter the bagel and she sees her husband and she sees this vision of all his sort of um goodness and, and joyousness in this kind of montage of, of um, the sort of light he is in her life. And it's, I mean, that's like beautiful. I'm like almost getting like choked up thinking about it. 
Um, and I, but the movie is this constant experience of me going like, wow, you know, it, it, it keep the movie keeps losing me. And then I'm like, I can't deny this thing completely because it's, it's given me something like that. That's really beautiful. And then from that really beautiful moment, then it's like, okay, we're back to like the Kung Fu fighting by the bagel and, you know, like uh, all, all the stuff of, you know, uh, fighting people with kindness. And, you know, it's, 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 again, I, I, it's not terrible. This is not, um, uh, some heinous, you know, ho- horrible thing, but it's, it, it just, it just, I feel like my engagement kind of deflates and I go, all right, you know, and, you know, I say that having watched it at home by myself and I, I felt the same way, even in a theater where I was in a, like a, you know, in the Grand Lake theater surrounded by people who were completely delighted by the movie. And, uh, it was like the best way to see the movie. I still had that kind of feeling, you know, it's, it's sort of disappointing. Cause you know, I, there's, I, I don't want to tear people down and I, I would lo- love to have the same emotional connection that so many people have had to the movie, but I don't know. Some things are just, you know, it's, it, it's subjective and some things just don't work for you. And this doesn't totally work for me. But on the other hand, it makes me, it, there's some movies I see where I see a director's movie that I don't really like and I makes me not want to see their movies. Then it makes me kind of, you know, look, think less of them. This is the type of movie where it's the opposite, where I'm, I, I'm more excited to see their, what they do next based on this because um, there's clearly, these people are gifted, interesting filmmakers, very interesting, um, unique voices. And um, I, 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 I hope, I, I, would be very surprised if there's not something they make down the road that will actually connect with me because in both of these, in Swiss Army Man as well, there are just some moments that are, that the opening of that movie where he starts surfing on this corpse is like beautiful and it's, and the music is great. It's this really amazing moment that you wouldn't expect to work, but. Um, I never, I never saw a Swiss Army Man, but I really wanted to. I was like, oh, this looks good. I think you should check so, it out. Um, yeah. It's, it's an interesting, yeah, interesting movie. I think I if somebody came up to me and said I'm all about this movie, I feel like my honest response would be like, yeah, like I get it, you know? I don't mm-hmm. know why. I would be like I understand it. Mm-hmm. With so, with you were saying like Isaac, I think you understand the movie. I did understand it and I didn't feel overly moved by what it was trying to say. Like it didn't have like kind of any sort of profound enlightenment or anything like that not i'm not saying that you need that from a movie Mm -hmm. but the way that it shifted gears so hard towards the end like i think that also kind of landed with me where i was like yeah you know like great that was kind of my end of the the end of the movie thought i'm glad it didn't end super cynical like nothing means anything i think that's why i was maybe drawn where like (laughs) i was drawn into like kind of the the interesting like hope twist with the husband uh and everything like that um Mm -hmm. but yeah i i don't i honestly don't feel like i have too much more to say about the film besides one conversation that i really wanted to throw your way so do you want to wrap up anything else about your review or thoughts or do you want to kind of get into like a question that i had just for a film expert in regards to this movie. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, just uh, hit me with the question. Yeah. Okay. I have a prediction that everything, everywhere, all at once will not age well. Um, okay. And I believe that the way that it's kind of chaotically thrown together, there's like, 
I feel like some of its humor like reminds me of like just this internet age, like what's going to be known as like the tens and the twenties of like, I'm weird and that's funny and quirky. Uh And I feel Uh like in 10 or 20 years, people will look at this movie and be like, yuck, you know, like even, even like the, uh, like there are some small moments, like moments with like, you know, the raccoon, like in 10, 20 years, like are people going to be like, what are they even talking about? You know, like what are they even talking about? Ratatouille, you know? I I think that will age well because Ratatouille is a film that will be remembered until the end of times. But uh, I I do, I think actually you hit on something that is probably another reason I'm a little mixed on the movie is I just, the humor of it doesn't really, um, that kind of humor, that internet humor, which I didn't even really understand the first time I saw it, that that's internet humor or that's kind of 2010s or even maybe aughts humor because I just wasn't quite plugged into that in the same way. That kind of um, humor of, of doing stuff that's kind of random and silly and isn't it so goofy um, was never something that I was that exposed to. So the experience for me of watching this movie, I felt a little bit like, um, and kind of like, like, you know, like I was too old for the movie in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my feeling. That It's not really the case because, I, I again, I know people who are... Uh, older than me some people much older than me who really love the movie who have i'm sure no frame of reference for that stuff but if anything i don't know maybe it even it's possible it could work better for some of them because it's it's not associated with that kind of um i don't know what i kind of maybe would be somewhat have an annoyed association with about the internet um but i don't know it's not it's not i think it's it's not reference based enough that i think the movie (sighs) I think I think it will actually age decently because at the thing at its core is is a universal I think always relatable idea the draw towards nothing matters the draw towards nihilism and the you know bringing of of hope and kindness to sort of quell that and that sort of circle of 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 those feelings and also just of you know parent and child relationships and reconciliation. These are all ideas that um, have always been and will always be um, meaningful. So I think for me, it, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't, I, I'm not that crazy about the movie even in 2022, but I think, I think the movie, um, it, it's not like, um, I'm trying to think of like what a movie where it has all these kind of like, like, like Deadpool or something like that, where it's, all the references i feel like even if you watch that 10 years from from when it came out it would be kind of it would feel kind of dated or very very 2000s um this i don't know i think there's also a certain thing where the cultural detritus that means something to us as annoying or kind of as as kitschy or kind of um uh, frivolous it ends up um just in the way that maybe for an older person, it, that stuff doesn't mean anything. And they just see it. Oh, it's a silly movie where a guy, a woman throws a dog and there's a raccoon on a guy's head. They just see it for what it is. Um, because I've experienced that with culture sometimes where I, I, you know, tell my grandmother, I really like this music from the 1960s. And she's like, Oh, that's, that's horrible. Like I hated that music. Um, mm. but for her, it was, it was like what, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just pulling a name out of a hat. Justin Bieber or some kind of like pop star nowadays is to us that seems kind of silly or frivolous. But a person who's younger who didn't grow up with that, they're just looking at the music for what it is. They don't have um, 
that kind of association um, with those things of, of being kind of um, being kind of kitschy. They just see it. They just hear the music and they say, oh, this sounds nice and I like it. And I think the same uh, will be the case for the movie, for those people who the movie um, impacts. Maybe. Yeah. I Because I was the the thought that I had was like, OK, it's got like some Matrix elements, you know, it's got some sci fi stuff in there. Like what I re- what I kind of refer it to people older than me that were into that sort of thing. And I was kind of like, I don't think I think they'll kind of just be like weirded out by the movie mm-hmm. in a lot of moments. And so I was like, oh, well, maybe it's just for like a younger crowd. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe I'm out of that younger crowd now. I don't know. Look, but I, I kind of felt like the people in my age range were like, yeah, this movie is great. And I was like, I am I just secretly older? I don't know. Like, no, if, <laughs> is if, there some, if I had seen know, the movie like, in isolation and didn't know anyone else thought of it, I would have totally thought that's what, like this is a movie that like people five years or more younger than me like and anyone older than me wouldn't like. But it's it's interesting. It's not really that. It doesn't really follow along those lines. Um, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think one thing that might date it is just that the editing style of this kind of, um, a little bit kind of, uh, I don't know, like it, uh, like sort of scattered, like constantly going back and forth between things. It, it, for me, it kind of reminds me of some of these, um, you know, like Bohemian Rhapsody and Elvis and the, these kind of modern uh, biopics that kind of they they're moving so fast that they're jumping from one beat to the next so quickly um that i find it kind of just exhausting to watch even if the beats themselves are are sometimes well done um but i don't know it kind of remains to be seen if that like is that a style that's actually gonna continue or even become even more kinetic and hyperactive as um time goes on or are we gonna you know, dial things back. Are we going to kind of try and re- return to our roots? Cause I can, I see filmmaking going kind of in two directions of, yeah. uh, you know, movies that are, that are more and more like exhausting to the mind and to the, to the senses. And then movies that are becoming more ascetic and more kind of, um, uh, editorially conservative and kind of, uh, quiet and, um, you know, people kind of yearning for, because also there's just, there's so much noise and chaos and social media and all these aspects of our lives that for me, at least, I sometimes appreciate something that's a little uh, dialed back. Having said that, though, I really liked Babylon, which is like the epitome of a movie that's like hypercharged, um, you know, like coke-fueled uh, intensity. So I don't know. It's, it's a case-by-case basis for me. There's some. It's interesting you brought up Babylon because I was talking about it last week with Cameron. Not only was it a film that was about Hollywood that I was like, absolutely not. I do not want to watch that. Right. <laughs> um, but it, it. You're totally right. The editing style reminded me of this movie. Um, just from the ads, I was like, okay. Like when you're saying biopic, like the Elvis or the Bohemian Rhapsody thing, like. Yeah, I don't know what that style is. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming some of the inspiration is like what Edgar Wright was doing, but there's something about what Edgar Wright does where he he well, that's what I was going to bring up. Like the pacing of it is he speed cuts moments that are boring in order to like drink from the fire hose of information. The scene I always think about 
is like in Hot Fuzz where he moves from the city to yeah. the town. Yeah. And how quick the cuts are because you don't really care about a guy sitting on a train moving, you know? Sure. You don't really sure. want to watch that. He's just giving you but enough. But there's yeah. there he gives you just enough or there's there's other scenes where like they get ready and you can almost imagine him and um Nick Frost and Simon Pegg like plopping down on the couch together, whether it's like, and that's like the cut of the chaos. Mm -hmm. And they have like a little bit of dialogue back and forth Mm -hmm. and it's back to the fast cutting. It's just like using it, um, using it at the right times to help the audience re-engage. I totally know what you're saying about this movie where I felt unengaged and re-engaged and unengaged. There was a part of me on this first viewing where I felt like I was coming like to attention halfway through a joke mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um from the pizza spinning sign to suddenly there's a raccoon on the head and i was like oh uh, wait a second like was that a callback to something there and, and i was like oh that's kind of funny and then the scene like ends and i'm like oh mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like that's a lot of like, information maybe i'm, you have to I'm just like it. elderly or something yeah. i don't know what's going on yeah. the movie that i can think of that is like cocaine speed that reminds me of this movie that I think does it better. Uh, a movie that I absolutely adore is the Lego movie. <laughs> I think the Lego movie is fantastic with it being like totally wired. Uh-huh. Like the movie is so fast in my opinion. Yeah. It doesn't really hold back. Uh, there's not a lot of slow moments. And I do think that the film actually has like, like when I saw it in theaters, I was like mind blown, like uh-huh. by that movie. I was genuinely like, "Whoa, this is like," I couldn't believe it. I know a lot of people that I've showed the Lego Movie to that absolutely hate it. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you love this movie, maybe it's your Lego Movie, right? Like I don't know, man. I really like the Lego Movie, but I haven't seen it since 2014 when it came out. That's in- that's an interesting uh, comparison, Isaac, because they are both a little bit. Um, these hyperkinetic movies, but with a real like sentimentality and this kind of like heartwarming, um, sweet quality to them. And they work with all these dimensions and a big dark yeah. hole that goes forever, you know? Yeah. Like, and the ending of the movie always feels a little bit cheap. Cause I felt like the end of the Lego movie, like the meaning, it's meaning is super important. Cause it kind of, it goes like, it kind of like, goes deeper right about like a father-son relationship and then you can kind of reflect on the movie in a different light where the conflict around you know like creativity and like rigid rules and growing up like there's like a ton of like meta things you can pull into it but that's all said and then the final conflict happens where they're like freeing all the legos and at that point you're like i don't really care like i i was kind of like moved by that moment enough Mm -hmm. right and um yeah i also think that the comedy in the lego movie kind of reminded me of this where it doesn't quite make sense they're pulling a lot of weird things Mm -hmm. where like suddenly he has like a shark and he's throwing a shark at guys like there's just so much going on in your face i think they're they're kind of birthed out of a similar place of these younger kind of i don't know if they're old these guys are like in their early early, late early 30s kind of age directors who have grown up in an age of internet and this kind of absurdist humor um, right and kind of right but that uh, like the other thing about like absurdist humor is that like it's like 
that was like Vine. That was like that's like old now. You know, uh-huh. that's the other thing about it, right? Is that humor is a bit outdated. Like the humor that's on the brinking point of like TikTok, which is probably the most modern social media, which is probably on its way out, mm-hmm. right? Is like humor that makes absolutely no sense, and for some reason, it just like makes me laugh like i i can't even explain mm-hmm. why it makes any sense mm-hmm. it's basically like like the idea of most of these posts is to take the the lowest quality videos and the lowest quality sounds and just compile them into this amalgamation of chaos within a 10 second window where there's just too much going on where you're like my my mind is absolutely being melted if I show this from to somebody in the 50s, their head might explode, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like, so like, internet humor is so far gone, like, it's so far into left field, you know, that it's like, that 2010s humor for me, it's like, that's sweet, you know, like, you're either on the, you know, Tim and Eric ultra meta, like, it doesn't even make sense, they're purposefully making it look bad, you know, mm-hmm um compared to like or or you're like creating something genuinely clever um comedically that is almost kind of timeless um i'm trying to think of a a comedy like for me i would say like death of stalin is not a movie that i'm like chuckling out loud with Mm -hmm. but that movie has a craftsmanship that it's like it refrains from being wholly absurd and uses absurd situations with extremely serious characters to like it it creates this like sort of experience that it's like that's always going to hit the comedy like kind of consistently across audiences i think mm-hmm. um whereas this i don't know if it will have that same um that same like aging mm-hmm. and even to reflect on a 2022 movie i i think the triangle of sadness comedy um has a level of absurdity that I guess could be compared to this film, but it it kind of like um, it kind of like like it it will it will like like release it and then pull it back really hard, and there will be, it won't be there. So there's like always kind of like a shock factor with that wild humor that comes about. Maybe the scene with like what was it like the goat or the deer like in the yeah, survival a little bit moment disturbing, actually yeah it's like borderline disturbing but it's also like wow like i'm really taken back or like when everybody's throwing up or the scene with the grenade right mm-hmm. like there's there are moments in that movie where i can point out i was like wow that's absurd that i'm i'm never gonna forget this mm-hmm. this movie i'm like it's absurd i can think of a few moments but they're usually just like pee-pee you know jokes or whatever like i don't know like i don't i can't really think of a con like or the raccoon i guess Mm -hmm. but for some reason um because it's so constant nothing stands out in the same way that i felt like maybe things did with triangle of sadness i don't even i there's a part of me that really felt more miserable in triangle of sadness at other moments Uh than this movie was kind of like I was like, okay, like, I think I like it. You know, I'm watching, I'm like, I think I like it. Yeah, like, it's, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of confused. And Triangle of Sadness, I'm like, 
I'm like, I I don't like this movie, but I'm there's something that's keeping me pulling that's, through. That's right? interesting because I kind of I have maybe something a little similar. How this movie, I everything everywhere, I I respect a lot, but yeah. I don't enjoy watching it. And Triangle of Sadness. I mean, gosh, I don't know if I'd say I enjoyed... I kind of enjoyed watching. I enjoyed watching enough to say that I liked it. I think that's what I said on the podcast. But yeah, I kind my of thought it was experience, like a dumb movie. Yeah. Like, I didn't respect it that much. Um, right. My theater experience was pretty fun, watching Triangle of Sadness. Mm-hmm. I Mine didn't too. respect it as much, but then our conversation... I remember convincing myself to respect it more, which made me hate it more. Uh <laughs> It's kind of like a weird <laughs> experience that's, that's with a it. Strange part of your psychology, I think. But, yeah, yeah um, I was like, I don't need to. It just it frustrated. I think the point of our podcast with that is it frustrated me that it was one of those movies that I felt like was just pushing to be like on a podcast and to be discussed, mm-hmm. and then we ended up discussing it, mm-hmm. and then it ended up getting deeper for it, and it just made me mad. I was like, ah, uh, you know. Well, there is something about him that feels a little bit more. Like he's trying to be, to make something that's that's a big statement is kind of intellectual. And the thing that's interesting about the Daniels is it doesn't feel, it feels like they're trying to say something writ large, but it's a lot more kind of, um, I don't know. They the the movie feels kind of like they're trying to give you like a big hug or something. Someone described everything everywhere as like a guy who hugs you to death or something like that. You know, like they just hug you, do crushes you. Um, but it doesn't feel quite as intellectually kind of considered as Triangle of Sadness um, does. I don't know. I'm very mixed on both movies. But but Triangle of Sadness, to me, at a certain point, I really didn't like the the first uh, chunk of it about the models. Like, I thought that was just kind of very superficial uh, satire. But once they got on the boat, I just thought it was really, it was, like, entertaining to watch. And it was just entertaining right. to watch Woody Harrelson. And, I mean, I, I'm sure we talked about this. Um, and, and everything everywhere, I just felt like it's cutting off my enjoyment at every moment where I start to get into it and it's kind of, cause I just, I think it could also be as simple as just the, the fact that the action is kind of connected to like powers they're giving themselves. Like there, there's something about the action. I don't know. I, I, to me, when I watch an action movie, I guess, um, what I'm, you're compelled by is you're seeing someone fighting for their life and someone barely able. This is why I like I don't like a lot of superhero um, movies, um, especially like where they have supernatural powers. Because when there's no invulnerability, when there's no emotion and sense of you know what's compelling when you watch. I always go back to like John McClane, you know, in Die Hard, and he's got glass in his feet and he's like terrified and in pain. Uh, and then and Cruz is like that a lot too. That's why his movies are compelling because you always get a sense like he is in danger but this there's something kind of impersonal about it because they're jumping into this other they're jumping into other superpowers basically and there's not really a lot of uh suspense to the action even though it's filmed in uh competently in, in fact it's filmed probably a lot better than a lot of marvel stuff but it's just there's something kind of disengaging i don't know the movie's kind of just, it, to me it's like half of a good it's like two-thirds of the way to a good action movie and two-thirds of the way to a good drama, but it kind of leaves you with kind of dissatisfied on both fronts, and I think um, I could imagine both of them, I could imagine both versions of that story, those directors making something that's really great, a really great action film or a really great drama, but in a way, I don't know, in, in their defense, that wouldn't probably be as interesting. People wouldn't have cared that much about it because we've seen that before, and in a way... Um, 
I do have to kind of hand it to them for, you know, okay, we're going to try something new. We're going to push these things together. Because even something like The Matrix, which is, you know, touches on a lot of uh, human themes and is, you know, an emotionally moving movie, um, is not, they're not having big emotional, uh, you know, mother-daughter scenes in the midst of giant fight, you know, dodging bullets and stuff in that movie. Um, but on the other hand, having said that, I think the Matrix is a much better movie. So maybe I'm just contradicting myself. I don't know. Right. That's what's weird about it. And the other thing is that this movie is kind of long at two hours and 20 minutes about, mm -hmm. right? So I was sort of surprised that it didn't like, like conclude the action satisfaction and the drama satisfaction. I, I really do agree with you. I think this movie is like, it's like going to, <laughs> it's like going to one of those restaurants where they do a fusion and you get like two of the, like two separate things. Like I got, you know, like tacos and, and a cheeseburger or something, mm -hmm. but like really you should have just got like, the taco cheeseburger together or something. You right, know what I mean? Right. Is that, does that make any sense? Right. But it's the gimmick um, that brings you there. You know, that's what's kind of interesting about it. But yeah, it would have been better. You would have enjoyed it more, maybe just as a simpler thing, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I do wonder what like other people think about this film. I could totally see a lot of responses being like I, I think i'm gonna watch the red letter media review about this movie mm -hmm. afterwards they, they kind of liked it yeah um i think i think I, I i i get it why some people would walk away and be like that was something that was new that was fun and that was cool mm -hmm. um yeah i just felt left out of the of that crowd you mm -hmm. know or left left out of of those feelings yeah um and I think that's that's always at the root of most of my movie viewing experience, uh, despite what Cameron's trying to put me through. Is like, did I did I vibe with it or do I, did I not? You know, mm -hmm. and I vibe with weird movies sometimes. That's like the subjective oh, side. I'm, I mean, like I talk about like Barry Lyndon. That was like, exactly oh, what I was going to say. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't get my head around why you like that movie. I mean, I, I was bored out of my mind. Um, oh, but. it was. I'll tell you what, you know, like if I'm sitting down, like that's the other thing is I'm, I demand satisfaction from movies too. Like I, if I sit down, like if I made time, like with this film, I genuinely like paused it to get up and get something within the first five minutes. And I was like, I'm not going to do that to this movie. I'm going to give it my full attention. It's like this chaotic, like fever dream of a film. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm trying to get into this. I'm trying to get into this. You know, like I just stuck in that state of like wanting to enjoy it more. And when the credits rolled, I was like, I just didn't, I guess I just didn't feel it, you know? Um, but, but Barry Lyndon, it, you were like this, this rules. I'm into this. <laughs> that was a movie. I watched that film and I sat back. I was like, I'm making clear time for this boring long film. And it kind of just like rocked me through it. And I was like, <laughs> This is really nice, actually. You know, like I, I, I will say, it did win me over at certain points. Like there were parts where I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so bored." But then there'd be like that, you know, the duel scene, you know, the whole thing at the end. That, that, that there's like this yeah. duel that goes on for like 30 minutes, where I was, you know, was electrified. Oh yeah, and it feels like a two minute scene yeah. too. You're sitting there, you're like, "Wow, this is just so riveting, yeah. right?" I just I want to so, be on the record that I'm not dissing Kubrick for that movie completely but 
I, it was a tough hang for a lot of it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I was able to like, just kind of like vibe with it for so long. Cause I was, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, but nevertheless, do you want to say any concluding thoughts about this movie in terms of the Oscar conversation? Do you think it's going to run away with a lot mm. of the awards? This is this is um, where I put it in public. What I my predictions here? Yeah. Well, and we'll probably we'll probably do more of a prediction, but I guess I kind of am curious, like with your knowledge of the industry, like where do you think this movie is sort of gonna? resound over time well, that's what's kind of interesting is that it's it's really not the type of movie that wins certainly wins best picture or really even gets nominated i mean a movie that is um in the comedy sci-fi action movie genre generally is not recognized um and really would be a kind of um anomaly but there's a, there's a sort of interesting shift that's happened where they really kind of made this push to diversify their ranks and the academy became a lot more international in a couple last few years so they're becoming kind of a more unpredictable uh voting body and i don't know i think i think you could you could place your you know place a thousand dollars like certainty that kiwi kwan AKA, I don't know if we even mentioned that this he's it's short round from Temple of Doom. I don't know if we mentioned that, but he's um, oh wow, yeah, he's 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 making his return to a big movie after so many years, and um, that's insane actually. Yeah, he's wonderful, and he's won every award. So I think you can you can basically write that that he's going to win Best Supporting Actor. Um, but in terms of wow, are you serious? I think he's definitely going to win. I absolutely loved him in this movie. Yeah. Oh, that's I good. can't believe that short round. Like the moment where he like what you said, like he embodies that Jackie Chan mm-hmm. energy. I was so taken back because mm-hmm. it's such a different character than what you've seen from him. Yeah. Like and uh, and then again, of course, like I already mentioned, the scene like where she's the singer and they're having that conversation in the alley. Mm-hmm. Like he's just able to swap between all these I different. Know. Yeah, like personality versions of himself, yeah. but still re- remain like himself. It's like very. And it's shocking. it's a little kind. Of, it's a little aspect of melancholy to it too, because you're you watch him playing the cool guy wearing a suit and his glasses, and you're like, this guy could have been, you know, like a movie star. This guy could have been like Jackie Chan, and he was. I'm not sure if he's doing most of the stunts of this movie. And that was basically what he did after being a child actor. He was a stunt coordinator, stunt man. And he did, um, you can see him in the behind the scenes of like the X-Men movies, you know, doing the, uh, you know, stunt coordination. And, um, but you can see he just, he, 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 but his ability to shift between, he can play the, the, the goofy kind of, you know, uh, kind of adorable husband and then, you know, snap into this like, uh, hardcore martial arts figure and then snap into this, you know, a cool sort of Wong Kar Wai, Tony Lung-esque figure. Um, it's just an amazing um, performance or you could say group of performances by him. Um, so yeah, he's, I think he's basically the lock in that category. In fact, it's probably one of, other than Avatar for visual effects, it's probably the one category you can most certainly predict for the Oscars. But I think I think it's it's tougher for best picture. I, I emailed my friend recently saying I think the Fablemans is going to win the Steven Spielberg Spielberg movie, which is his kind of uh, memoir of his childhood and growing up making movies. Um, but I'm feeling less a little less certain about that because I just think 
that's a little bit of wishful thinking on my part and also kind of, um, I don't know, that movie is not quite hitting people in the same way. But it's difficult to predict because everything everywhere is kind of the universally considered front runner. And what often happens is people end up voting against a movie like that. They put it at the bottom of their ballot. So there's a chance everyone will say, oh, we don't want this to win, so we're going to try and push something else. But that could also end up making uh, The Banshees of Inishirin win, um, which is another movie that seems to be kind of uh, popular, which uh, that's a movie I'd highlight. The Fablemans and Banshees of Inishirin are kind of my two favorites of the Best Picture nominees. And in fact, it's kind of funny that the Best Picture nominees you've seen are this and Triangle of Sadness, because those would have been pretty low on my recommendations if I was recommending which movies that are nominated for you. I think I think you'd enjoy... Well, I think you'd most enjoy Top Gun Maverick, but my personal favorites are uh, Fablemans and Banshees. Um, I haven't heard of... E- Fablemans is... Was that the Spielberg one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I... Sorry, I haven't heard about that. My parents actually want to watch it, which is oh, interesting really? to me. Yeah. Um, oh, you should watch it with them. It's a great uh, family... Movie about family, Yeah. The movies that I really want to watch this year that are I don't know if they're nominated or not. That what was that other one? The um Banshees? Mm-hmm. I, I have I know nothing about this movie. <laughs> this looks so foreign to me. It's, I'm like, it's an what? Irish movie. It's the guy did you see three billboards or no, um, in no. Bruges? It's this no. Irish filmmaker who makes to me to me. This is my idea of a funny movie. Like Banshees of Inishera to me is very funny, but it's also like incredibly dark and and quite bleak and uh, despairing even. Um, but I think that's what makes it great, and I I find it uh, just wonderful. Um, Interesting. But this, yeah, the one the the ones that I really want to see um, from this year, I do want to see Top Gun Maverick. I really want to see. <laughs> Puss in Boots. I just think I want to make Cameron watch it because I've only heard good things about it. I have too. Yeah, um, I might actually. And uh, he, Cameron, lo- loved Tar. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I want to give that one a chance. Just music, Ta- music, m- movies with, you know, like scoring and st- I don't know. It's, I'm it, just excited. It'll about be that. work, I think. Um, but it's it's worth it. I think you'll you'll get something out of it for sure. Yeah, the rest of the list, you know, I haven't. Yeah, there's there's not much. I know my brother saw Amsterdam and he said it was like mid, but yeah, like, don't bother. He, he, yeah, yeah. Did you um? Did you ever watch? Uh, was it? Is this Pixar movie? Turning red. Uh, what is this? Luck? Is that DreamWorks? No, that's no just idea. what I don't know what list you're looking at. That's that's like a Apple. Uh, I heard that wasn't good. Oh, Apple um, Apple stuff. I don't think that's nominated though. Turning red is a really good. Um. That was Pixar's movie this year, um, or one of the Pixar movies. That's that's very good. That was this year, yeah, early in the year. Yeah, that is insane. Yeah, this year, I don't believe yeah. it. But I haven't seen Wakanda forever. Yeah, I must be missing out. No, don't bother. That was that was <laughs> that bummed me out. How disappointing that was. I was really excited for that. Did you see um, the menu? Yeah, menu is fun. You would like the menu. Yeah, okay. That's that's I, a fun movie. I saw that one and I was like, "That's probably what I wanted from the Glass Onion." Yes. I know that's kind of strange, yes. but I when I saw the ad, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's like I think that's what I wanted." It's, it's funny because Glass Onion is in every way more clever, better filmed, better crafted than the menu. But I think the menu is a more interesting movie and a better movie, 
and uh, honestly a more I don't know more interesting satire of of the sort of uh, super wealthy I guess you could say and also a satire of high end dining which at least for me is just something very funny uh, <laughs> <laughs> high end dining man and, I yeah I used to be like really drawn to that mm-hmm. but no my I only have one goal uh, for high end dining and that's to go to this one super expensive restaurant that I've always wanted to go to that yeah I don't I don't know if I ever will but I you know there's this um there's this place in I think it's only in South Bay called Manresa but they're really well known for this uh, for this um coffee shop chain called Manresa Bread it's all over like the um I I think it's just all over South Bay mm-hmm. they might have some they have one up in like Palo Alto and Santa Cruz area um so yeah, I, I love the coffee shop because you can basically get this chef's food for a lot cheaper, even though it's really expensive. That's how I justify it. Mm-hmm. But the croissants are like to die for. Like mm-hmm. imagine like this multi Michelin star chef. Mm-hmm. He opens like this side project with croissants. You got to eat those croissants, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much they cost, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you just got to try one, yeah. right? Um but yeah, his restaurant is like five hundred dollars or something, yeah. like flat per person. You know, like that's it's okay. just crazy. Okay, having so. you telling me this, you definitely should see the menu because I I thought that was a very funny movie, uh, <laughs> and Ray Fiennes just crushes it. Yeah. Did you um Did you see All Quiet on the Western Front? I did. Yeah, that one. I don't know, man. I I honestly had a kind of a similar experience to Everything Everywhere, where I really respected the. Um, the craft of it, not really the imagination. It's pretty generic as a war movie um, other than it's just more depressing or more harrowing, more violent. Um, I just found it kind of like pointless to me. It was, it was like, okay, you're, you're coming in with your thesis, you know, you're, you're, you've got your news flash. War is hell. War is bad. And you're, you're telling people that for two and a half hours and it just becomes kind of, it, it it's like what I was saying about about everything everywhere. I also felt this way about the movie Blonde this year, where it's like you can have a movie where you have individually well crafted scenes, but if you're doing the same kind of thing over and over again and just showing people the same thing, um, it just gets really monotonous. And I felt like the the movie kind of I don't know, it just wasn't very interesting to me, um, and also is disturbing and unpleasant so it's like if a movie is disturbing and unpleasant you're you have to kind of have a reason for it um well that would be the book juzo yeah yes but the (laughs) it would the book would be but i don't know i just think when you watch other movies you've seen so many other war movies that dramatize the same idea in a way that's a lot more interesting you know you watch whether it's paths of glory or apocalypse now um some of which are even longer than this movie. Um, they they express these ideas, I think, a lot. But if if you if you read the book, if you read the book, you might find it interesting. I've heard it deviates from the book a lot, but I didn't like the book, so uh-huh. I don't want to see the movie. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> don't, I wouldn't like, bother unless you're really into the war, really into that history. Do, do you know? You know, yeah, the World War One movie, like to rule them all, is 1917. Yeah, like, yeah, by far. Yeah, and I and I said that. Specifically, because it reminds me of Lord of the Rings, and that's why it's a perfect movie. That's interesting. I guess it is a little bit. Yeah, it's like a quest to get to some. Yeah, the heroic quest. 
Um, it's so good. Yeah. I got to make sure my dad's seen that movie. I yeah. feel like he would love it. I can see, honestly, but, you you and your dad maybe really liking the new All Quiet on the Western Front just because there's just certain, like, war movies are harrowing to a lot of people. But I find, I don't know, I'm just at a point in my life where I'm not impressed by, oh, my God, that was so intense. That was so disturbing. Um, like, I'm just kind of like, all right, you know, I'm looking at my watch now. Um, well, I think the hard thing with, with war movies is like you can have the intensity, the the nasty, terrible, depressing side, but like what makes an audience like really hurt or feel that moment is like the human element mm-hmm. with the characters. And the I mean, that's why 1917 is fantastic mm-hmm. um, because it has the like the horrors of war on display. Mm-hmm. Right. But the, they never do like the machine gun nest gunning down thousands of people Mm -hmm. because that doesn't mean as much to you as like one, one character dying Mm -hmm. or two characters dying, right? Mm -hmm. Like these people that, you know, Mm -hmm. that means so much more. Right. Um, I think the reason, um, Spielberg's, um, what's the, the world war two Ryan. The reason that movie is, is as good as it is is because it gets all the dead bodies like the shock of that is one and done at the beginning mm-hmm. and then it doubles down on like the the like you hear the just people the love themselves. the love yeah. of the people right mm-hmm. um, that's a good point so yeah i i all quiet on the western front i remember reading the book the main protagonist is sort of unbearable in the film because he's just a tortured person oh but you, you never you've seen the film the old one I've seen the old film and I've oh really and I've and I've watched uh, or and I've read the book. I had to watch. The I've, film. I've never seen the old film actually. Huh. Yeah, I think the old film is all right, but it the the point of the book is that the like war is hell, and even to further solidify that World War One's war was hell mm-hmm. because it's so it's so forgotten mm-hmm. um, because of what happened in World War Two. Yeah, um, I think it's 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 a tough thing because I, I even think you could make a case. All quiet, uh, the new one is maybe more realistic than nineteen seventeen because nineteen seventeen is great, but it's it's pretty sanitized. You know, you're not getting a lot of brutality in that movie. It's it's uh, suspenseful. Dunkirk is the same way, by the way, where it's not. Um, he doesn't really uh, you know show you the gore and the and the kind of um, harrowing aspect in 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 graphic aspect of war in that way um but i don't know it just i think he also does this thing where he keeps cutting away to the politics of war that i feel like just on an editing level diffuses everything it just didn't completely work for me even though i was i i admired the um i don't know i mean it felt like a big move for a movie that's like a german you know netflix movie it felt like a big movie i mean i was glad i saw it in the theater um but I don't know. Yeah, I just um I didn't even hear about this movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that they remade uh, it and my perception of the book was that it, I mean the book is just like miserable. Like it's just it, it's like everything is horrible. Mm-hmm. We're not even getting an action movie. We're just suffering and gain green and everybody's getting trench sickness and rats and stuff. It's just like mm-hmm. Ugh. you know like and yeah i don't know it's it's um 
it like th- those very like dire, depressing. Um, it's actually something I've been thinking about a lot because I've been thinking about Cameron, um, <laughs> and I don't know, like uh, just hanging out with him, and and I was like, man, like Cameron, it, it was good to see him the other day when you were there. Um, I was thinking about him and how much he's changed from like being in middle school to who he is now. Mm-hmm. And Cameron was very much like everything is horrible uh-huh. at one point in our uh-huh. friendship, you know? Um, that is not his outlook on life now, right? Um, I guess not. Yeah, I, I, I guess not. There's like a cynicism with like a hint of joy, like, and, mm-hmm. and like gratitude. There's like a perspective that's come about in him that's like very much um reflected on the good things in life even though they're small and heavily outweighed by the bad things yeah you can tell like there's more for him to like love and appreciate and so when a movie is just like tripling down on like the the terribleness of like our existence mm-hmm. and everything i'm just like you're you're not quite there yet you're that early Cameron, uh-huh. you know? The early Cameron I liked a lot, you know? I was still friends with him. He is great, you know? But, like, something swings eventually where you're, like, you either get engulfed by that, like, overwhelming everything is horrible, or you start to actually pick up on the small things that you do want to appreciate. And it's, I mean, it's exactly what this movie we've been talking about is about, right? Yeah, everything everywhere is about that, for yeah. sure. I, I don't know how I feel about that idea of of the ultimate pessimism in movies because it's there are great movies and there are definitely great works of art that are about like everything is horrible and we're just totally screwed. Um, but I'm trying to think like what makes what sets them apart as because Paths of Glory in some ways has that feeling. Um, I don't know. I think I think one thing that actually makes it. Paths of Glory effective is it gives you a glint of that humanity that is extinguished, but right, showing that right. it exists or showing that there's some possibility of it. And actually at the end of the movie, you kind of see that in the last scene with Kubrick's wife. Um, it actually um, makes it feel more, um, it makes you feel the tragedy of life more powerfully because when you you show the, the glint of hope, it's kind of the opposite of what a hopeful movie like Everything Everywhere or It's a Wonderful Life or Ratatouille even uh, have, which is those movies, the movies that are most hopeful and most uplifting really have to plunge you into hopelessness and they have to plunge you into possibility of darkness. I've definitely seen movies where they're trying to make an uplifting movie, but they're trying to make everyone have a good time so they don't really... They, they kind of um, hold back on how depressing they get. And it makes the satisfaction of the ending uh, weakened because you don't, it just kind of feels like we're in this kind of limbo world where everything's like, oh, everything's nice, you know. But, you know, watching It's a Wonderful Life and watching Jimmy Stewart, you know, questioning, should I even live on this earth? You know, should I throw away my life completely is what makes, you know, the, the, the change by the end of the film so so deeply moving um Mm. but i think i think that's interesting how there's a that's that works in both directions with with the pessimistic and the optimistic uh film 
where you need, I think, it's like the yin and yang, the little spot that's in the yin and yang where it, it kind of um, actually accentuates. Or it's like how you, you know, you put salt in um, when you make something sweet, you make a cookie or something, you add salt to it. If you don't put it in there, it actually doesn't make it, a, it's not as, quite as good. So you need, yeah. you need to offset it. I agree with, I, I totally agree with that. I I I would have to really think if there was a movie that was all pessimism that I loved. I guess the thought that I had was like with Paths of Glory, it reminded me of like this college rage that I had a little bit in me. Mm-hmm. It's what I love about like kind of juvenile punk music or it's what I love about listening to Rage Against the Machine because there's a side of us that's like, yeah, like... You know, like you do want to rebel. You want to get it out of your system. You want to be upset with the world. And and right. that perspective is like good to indulge in in like little bits, right? Um, but I think like, I think, I mean, I mean, this is, this is, I'll just get on a tangent about Rage Against the Machine at least. This is my tangent. You do that for three, four albums. Like at some point, like, do you have anything more to say, right? Uh-huh. Do you have anything else that you want to get there with, right? Uh-huh. One of my favorite punk bands that people laugh at when I bring up, just because it's very g- goofy and juvenile, is um, like I love. I'm a huge Blink One Eighty Two fan, mm. but their their record their their records up until they split with the self titled record in two thousand three, the topics in that are not, you know girls don't like me and my parents are divorcing and my friend committed suicide, uh-huh. which is what their, their main, their, their most famous record, Eminem of the state is about that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very like emo, right? The set, then the album after that's very like pop punk. And then the third album is very much more like, like what are we doing here and stuck in heartbreak, but it's still like, I don't know. It feels very, um, it feels like it's searching for something much deeper mm-hmm. than those other records we're looking for. Um, and it even gets lost in its own sound. And I think that's what I love about that record is it's punk kids suddenly being like, like they have this, <laughs> they have this song called Stockholm syndrome. And the interlude to that song is like a war letter written to their lover in the middle of a battlefield with this like piano part. Oh wow. And then like it's like this this like punk riff that comes in afterwards that's like super like angry. And I'm like this is just different than what they were doing before, you know. So mm-hmm. I mean that's what I I think that's what I love about some of these filmmakers is they you see that evolution. I think you see that evolution with Kubrick. Um although he you know, he definitely <laughs> he gets pretty pretty sad and depressing, but I think it's cool to kind of see his um, reflection in that anger kind of boil into these other yeah, he goes from, trains of thoughts. He goes from like right? pe- kind of pessimistic to like the most pessimistic he could possibly be by the end of like the full metal jacket or whatever. Um, though I, your, your perspective on this might be is a little interesting because I know for a fact that you really like the Irishman, but you, right. you, do you consider that to be an optimistic movie? A hundred percent. I find 100%. that so fascinating because I mean, I don't want to relitigate this for too long, but I just think that's so, to me, that's like such a, that is such a depressing movie. Um, 
I think, I mean, I think my own, like, I guess my personal faith probably plays into that a huge mm-hmm. part. Um, I think what makes the Irishman so hopeful in its ending is that it shows someone who has done some of the worst things, not just on like, I guess, a legal stance, but even on like a personal human stance. Oh, yeah. The way that he like betrays his oh, yeah. friend. And then he's left with, um, instead of like a cowboy's exit, right? Um, he's left just getting old and dying. Mm-hmm. And I love like kind of the ending where he doesn't know what to search for. And he has those last kind of conversations with the priest. There's obviously conversation about like, you know, I think, I think for me, it's like purpose and religion start to creep in pretty fast when you get older. Um, and like, what is this all worth? You know, um, I just, I think the reason it's done so well is that whole concept about the door being open at the end. Mm -hmm. Like it made me like cry when I watched it. Cause I was just like, wow, like that is such a deep message. Um, especially coming from like Scorsese, this idea that it's like, you can do all these terrible things at the end of it. You're like, is that door like still open or not? You know, like, I don't know. Like, I just think that's, Mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful Mm -hmm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. I, I'm like, I'm not going to talk you out of it because what you just said is, is a, I think a wonderful read of the movie, but I don't, for me personally, I I just find it interesting because I'm just like, uh, that's, (laughs) it's, it's a pretty pessimistic movie to me, but, well then, yeah. why didn't they shut the door at the end? Oh, I, th- I mean, I think he's the the door is um, is almost like a final uh, reminder of of the horrible things he's done. I mean, because he's doing it as a sort of a, a remembrance of what he used to do with his friend, and uh, it's kind of uh, I don't know. I mean, the the ending to me just feels like he's he's truly alone, and uh, mm. I don't know. But you know, I think. I, again, I look. I'm not. I, I'm not going to talk you out of it because I, I like what you said. So you know, it's it's okay. I just. I guess. I, I mean, it, maybe like, we. Oh, maybe God, we both. You know? ne- maybe we both need to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll see. Like, because mm-hmm. I didn't get that the last five minutes of the movie. It. It sh- it kind of shocked me the direction that it twisted in. I remember being like, "Wow!" Like, I didn't expect. I didn't expect it to go in this direction mm-hmm. in the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be just me personally reading into it. Uh, no, but, but I think now I think, you're, I think it's fair though because I think there's an aspect. What, what you the thing that you're that you're right about is that he's um, he, it's he's gaining a self awareness and he's gaining a kind of um, uh, a, a self knowledge and a desire to do different, even if it's that deep into his life. Um, and that, that kind of, he, he basically sleepwalks through his entire life. Like everything he does in that movie is just, yes, sir. Yeah. yeah, I'll go along with it. And then by the end it's, it's kind of, he's going, oh, maybe I should be thinking about this, whether that means, um, his, his changing his feelings about his faith or about even just the way he interacts with people, his, his desire to make this connection to his daughter, you know, it's, it's a failed connection. But at least he's he understands that he has to make it. So, um, 
I don't know. I think I, in a way, I don't think that our, what we're saying about it is in contradiction. It's just that maybe it's just our, our different worldviews or just the difference of how I feel when I watch the ending, which is like, Oh mm. God, you know, but, um, yeah, I think I that, think that like search for repentance in a personal life, it is, I don't know. I think it is like, it's definitely painful but it really comes real when you're in that pit, mm-hmm. in that kind of pit, you know? Mm-hmm. It's obviously dramatized with a mob hitman, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I found it to be, like, strangely relatable. I don't know how, no. how else to, like, like say it. No, it's a and, universal uh, feeling of, of yeah. I can't, what have I done? Is it too late to change things? Is it too late to to find some meaning, basically? Um yeah. Right, he's asking those questions at the end and I felt like it made me it made me really um and I know we're totally off topic. Go, no, point, no, no. Keep going, keep going. It made me lo- like it really did like make me have this huge heart for Scorsese himself because I've I've already liked a ton of his movies right. like and what we saw and I was like, man, like I now I feel like I know him, you know. It's like this weird thing. Like I haven't had that with a lot of directors, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's just talk about talk about like a yeah. That's those are the deep feels that I didn't feel at the end of everything, <laughs> everywhere, all at once. Full circle. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think that's a it's an interesting topic, you know, kind of talking about. Because I know Cameron's always like, you just want happy ending movies. But I don't, I mean, I don't know, Cameron. Cameron can hate on me for that, but. Um, but if you, if you, I just think if like, if you can make The Irishman into a happy ending movie, you can watch almost any movie and feel that way, I think. I mean, because <laughs> that's, I mean, one of the darker endings I've seen. I, like well, what's what? I watched Lamb and I didn't really know what to think at all. <laughs> I was like, this just feels, I don't know, like <laughs> just strange. I don't, I don't and know how I twist upset. that into a happy ending. I don't know, just kind of an, yeah. almost an absurd ending in some ways. Yeah, no, there's plenty of movies that I've seen that I didn't think were happy endings. Um, I think the best yeah. thing is uh, Mick Lasalle always talks about. He, he talks about the different qualities a great movie has, and one of them is um, a complex ending. And he describes it as when you play a chord on the piano, you're hitting multiple different notes, and some of them are mm-hmm. the major chords, some of them are the central to it, but there's other feelings there. And I think um, almo- almost all of the greatest movies have an ending where there's a dominant feeling to it, but there's also... Um, notes of other things notes of you know whether whether it's a depressing ending but there's a, a note of hope or the reverse and uh yeah i think i think irishman and honestly i would even say everything everywhere finds something like that in in its ending i i do like the ending of the movie the sense that she's kind of understands what's meaningful in her life but there's always that temptation to look elsewhere and to kind of um be thinking about what could have been or how your life you know other ways your life could have gone and um and then you have to kind of bring yourself back to like i'm in this moment and i have these things that these are the real things that mean something so i think that part of it it works for me yeah no i thought the ending i thought the ending was like it it connected and everything it just didn't it didn't 
move me in mm-hmm. any regard, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I do, I, I do agree with that. Actually, um, the chord thing. I will say most minor chords are just one minor note uh-huh. out of the chord out of three uh-huh. <laughs> three notes. One of them is minor, right? Uh-huh. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I don't. I, I'm thinking like not every movie that I love has a happy ending at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that I that's not what I look for in in a movie if I like it or not. Um, but. Yeah, I think that's a much longer conversation. And yeah. we're about at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So. <laughs> we could keep going on this, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for joining me for this episode. Okay. I am excited to keep watching some 2022 movies. I know Jules is excited because she's always like, you're watching boring black and white movies again. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna watch this with you. And yeah. this movie, she was like not very interested in either, which uh-huh. I thought was kind of funny because I was like, oh, it's like... I was like, Jules, you'll like it. It's super fast-paced and weird. And she was just kind of in and out of paying attention. She was kind of like, eh, it wasn't that interested. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, but we are going to be talking about another 2022 movie next episode. We post every Tuesday. I don't know what the movie is yet because Cameron hasn't told me. So, mm-hmm. um, But I'm sure we'll get to some of the ones we discussed on this episode. Juzo, thank you again for being here, and we will see you guys next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.